That's the truth, isn't it? Yes, we love him, at least most of us do, because, well, God has chosen us to follow him, and so we really appreciate what he's done and did for us by becoming a man and dying on the cross. And But to many people, Jesus is offensive. Well, it's okay if they don't know what he did or what he said, as a concept, the concept of a nice, wise teacher many years ago who, who taught people to love God and love one another, that's okay. Or the concept of a prophet who comes from God and speaks good things from God, well, that's okay. But when you meet the real Jesus and you hear what he really said, then you go one way or the other. Either you follow him with everything you've got, or you recoil in horror that someone so respected actually taught those things. Now, over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at some of those things that Jesus taught in John 6. He said to the Jews that he was the bread of life. Much better than the bread that God had given to their ancestors in the desert many years beforehand. No, no, he's the true bread. Something must have been terribly puzzling to the Jews until he explained the metaphor. I am the bread of life, Jesus said in verse 35 of chapter 6. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall not thirst. Ah, and so to eat and drink, Jesus means to come to him, uh, to believe in him. And so in, in verse 53, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He's saying, you have to come to him, you have to believe in him in order to have life. That's offensive, isn't it? All the people who don't believe in Jesus, no life. Believe in Jesus, eternal life. That's offensive to many people. That's not the only offensive saying. Go to chapter 6, verse 37. Jesus says, All that the Father gives me will come to me. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me I will never cast out. You know what he's saying to the Jews? You don't believe because the Father didn't choose you. That's why you don't come to me. All the Father gives me will come to me. They are the ones who get eternal life. That's offensive, isn't it? You don't like the idea of someone else choosing. Oh, what about verse 46? Jesus says, No one has any, no, sorry, not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Remember, they know his family. He's Joseph's kids from Nazareth, the nearby village. Then he says, no one has seen the Father, no one has seen the Father except me. Because I come from, from God, from, from within God. And you've got to believe that to have eternal life. He's got a high opinion of himself, hasn't he? And we even know that he come, where he comes from. He's a carpenter's son. That's pretty offensive. And so the people who had been following him were were shocked. And actually there were many people following him at this stage. John is going to call them disciples in verse 60. 
Not to be confused with the twelve disciples who are much closer to him. Uh, the word disciple just means learner or, or pupil, and there are lots of people who are trailing him as pupils. He picked up this huge following after doing lots of healing. Back in chapter 6, verse 2, uh, we see that large crowd following him because they saw the signs he did on the sick. And now that he's done this feeding of the 5,000, wow, even more popular. And yet now his followers are going to be appalled by what he's saying. You can imagine what they're thinking. Yes, he did all those miracles. We were impressed. And yes, he fed us lots of food until we couldn't eat any more. That was really good. We've been following him because you know he might do that again and again and again. And then we won't have to buy food anymore. But now he's telling us that the real food that he wants to give is not more loaves and fish, but, but himself. And that he wants... But it means by that is we have to, to believe that he is the one who comes from God, the one who has an exclusive relationship with the Father like no one else in the world, and, and coming to him and trusting him is the only way to get eternal life. Now that is more than what we bargained for. Free meals, okay. I will come back for more. But such exclusive and offensive claims, that's not part of the deal. And so in verse 60, in verse 60, when many of disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? And they're not saying it's hard in the sense of being hard to understand. It's hard in the sense of being hard to accept. All those things in chapter 6 that we heard about last week, that's, they're offensive. But friends, the message of Jesus is an offensive message. Don't be surprised if people are offended by it. Give people a free meal, they're happy. Tell people Jesus is the only way to God, talk to the hand. Jesus knows his disciples are upset. And he raises it. Verse 61. But Jesus, knowing in himself the disciples were grumbling about this, he said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? If you can't handle someone whom you've known since he was a child being the, the bread of life, wait till you see him come in glory. Wait till you see him ascend as the Son of Man, whom the Old Testament said we're going to rule the world forever. You'd be even more upset if you see that, wouldn't you? They take offense because they don't believe. And even if they saw Jesus literally ascending to heaven, they still wouldn't believe in him. Because they're so steeped in sin. They can't enter the kingdom. Remember how Jesus said to Nicodemus a few chapters before, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And it's only the Spirit who gives people new birth. Well, he's saying the same thing here in verse 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The, the flesh is of no avail. These people don't believe because the Spirit hasn't given them new life. On the other hand, verse 63 continues, the words that I have spoken to you are Spirit and life. They are words that come from the Spirit. Yet they reject. If they listen and believe, 
they would have eternal life. But those crowds that were following Jesus, people who considered themselves his disciples, verse 64, there were many of them who do not believe. And verse 64 continues, For Jesus knew from the beginning those who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. Jesus knew that many of those who are going to follow him actually are not true believers and would actually flop out in the end. And he says to them in verse 65, That is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him by the Father. You see, the ones who would fall away, they, they hadn't really come to Jesus. Only those given by the Father would come. And Jesus would keep them. And as far as the rest of them go, well, they, they followed him. But they weren't really his in the first place. And you know, there are people who come to church who don't really belong to Jesus. Jesus knows who they are. I don't, because I'm not Jesus. But there are, in all likelihood, people sitting here today, people who sit here week after week, are not here because they're feeding on Jesus, not here because they've come to Jesus and believed in him, but for some other reason. And they look like they're followers of Jesus, and they claim to be followers of Jesus, but they're not really. The Father hasn't really given them to the Son. They don't have the Spirit. They don't have eternal life. And in 20 years' time, when we sit around and discuss old friends, someone will say, oh, what happened to so-and-so? And the sad and disappointing answer will be, oh, well, they, they don't consider themselves Christians anymore. That Jesus would say they were never mine in the first place. No one can come to me, he said, unless it's been granted by the Father. Those who are given to him by the Father will never be snatched out of his hand. It's hard. It's offensive. Well, Jesus' prediction that the disciples would fall away turns out actually be to be the, the catalyst that causes them to, which paradoxically vindicates his word, doesn't it? And so we read, uh, we're looking at item 2 now, the truth of Jesus. We read in verse 66. After this, many of, this, of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. It was all too much for them. This is too hard. And they leave. And you know what? Jesus doesn't try to stop them. He doesn't go, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Those, those exclusive claims, those, those difficult, the offensive stuff, don't take that so seriously. Lah. You know, I know I've said some tough things, but I can tone down. Right? Remember, God is love, and in the end, love wins. Right? So, I'm sure I'm the way to eternal life for my followers, but you know, I can accept that for other people, there might be other ways to eternal life. Or you should eat and drink me, but you know there's a wideness to God's menu. Or we can't be too exclusive. Right? So that bit about being the only one who has seen the Father, don't take it like I'm God with God revealing God or anything like that. It's just got a, it's got a clearer vision than most people. 
And yes, the Father gives me people, but that's only because he knows who's going to freely choose me anyway. And free choice, hey, that's what we all want, isn't it? So let me persuade you to stay. In fact, who would like some more loaves and fish? Well, Jesus doesn't do that. What Jesus is on about is not numbers, it's truth. And it's by telling the truth about God and about himself, he loses all his followers and he's okay with that. He doesn't pander to what people want to hear. He doesn't tailor his message to be popular. He speaks offensively the truth and is willing to pay the price. And friends, if that is the policy of the Master, then that must be our policy as well. We're not here to make up the policy, we're here to implement it. And Jesus says, truth above numbers, so we prioritize la, truth above numbers, isn't it? Mustn't water down the message so more people will come. Mustn't preach for popularity, whether it's at church or in our growth groups or evangelistic events or even a private setting of sharing the gospel with others. Don't water down the gospel to make it more believable. Don't sterilize the gospel to make it less offensive. And, and don't change the gospel to something that could have been made up by the mass marketing people. You know, come to Jesus, he'll solve all your problems. Don't deliver a message other than the true gospel. The gospel's offensive. You tell people they're sinners, that's offensive. Tell people the only way to be saved is to come to Jesus who died for them and rose again. That's offensive. Demands that people recognize the deity of Christ, the uniqueness of God's revelation in Him. That's offensive. But it is only the gospel that can save. Preach the truth like Jesus and many people will be offended by you. But those whom the Father has given Him will come to Him and receive eternal life. Preach what people want to hear, and many more people will follow you all the way to hell. Most of Jesus' disciples left him at this point. But not the twelve, his closest ones. And twelve is a significant number, isn't it? Because it represents the people of Israel, which is made up of twelve tribes. And in the Old Testament, God had chosen his people Israel. And now Jesus has 12, chosen these twelve to be the, the nucleus of the new Israel. And so when the rest of the disciples left, verse 67, Jesus says to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Everyone else is gone. They were offended by me. Stop following. You're not planning to leave too, are you? Simon Peter answers him, verse 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. There's nowhere else to go. Jesus is the one who speaks the truth. The words of Jesus are not words that tickle the ears. They're not words that please the crowds. They're words of tough, offensive truth that bring eternal life to those who believe. There's no one else like that. And so, on behalf of the twelve... He continues his statement. Verse 69 continue. And we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So Peter and the other disciples, well they are the true believers, aren't they? They are the ones who stay on when everyone else leaves Jesus. Peter is sure that Jesus is the Holy One of God. And in the Old Testament the word Holy One is usually used of God himself, though it's once used for the Messiah. 
Peter knows and believes that Jesus is that Holy One. And I'm sure that represents the position of most of us here today. We have believed, come to know, that Jesus is the Holy One of God. That he is both God and the one who comes from God. And we've come to accept this teaching and continue to follow him, even though we are fully aware that other people find this offensive. But we still come to Jesus, not because we're more clever or more virtuous than the people who don't, but because God has been gracious to us, and the Father has given us to Jesus. And the Spirit, through the Word, gives us new life. Well, Peter had been speaking on behalf of the twelve, and so Jesus now answers the twelve. Verse 17. Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet, one of you is a devil. And he spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. See, even the fact that Judas was chosen to be one of those twelve still didn't mean he was given to Jesus by the Father. He was going to turn away as well. And in doing so caused more harm than all the other people who left Jesus combined. And yet even then, God is sovereign. God would use the treachery of Judas to fulfill prophecy and bring his son to the cross where he would die for our sins. Jesus knew Judas even before he chose him to be one of the twelve. But Judas didn't really know him. He was one of the twelve, but he did not really believe and know that Jesus is the Holy One of God. And friends, there may be church leaders, people in positions of power and authority in churches, who are not true believers. God is sovereign. He will use them. But you won't see them in heaven. Because after they've done all the damage they're going to do, they will fall away. Because they were never really given to Christ in the first place. Well, other than those sobering thoughts, what else do we learn from the passage? We looked at some implications as we go along, but there are five other things I'd like to end with. First of all, we've heard the call to believe in Jesus. Believe that he is God made man. Believe that he can give you eternal life if you believe in him. That he died on the cross to take the punishment for your sin. That he rose again and Lord and King of all. And the invitation still stands. Come to him. Believe in him. And if you do, you will receive eternal life. Secondly, we've seen that people will fall away. There may be people who are here that don't last the distance, who are offended by the words of Jesus, and will therefore either twist them so his words become bland, and the Jesus they're following is not the real Jesus, or they'll give up on Christianity altogether. Don't be surprised if that happens. Happened in Jesus' ministry as well. 
Thirdly, we've been given an example by Jesus of trust in God's sovereignty. Jesus knows that his words are spirit and are life. They come from the spirit. They give eternal life. He speaks the truth even though he knows many will leave. And he's not afraid to do so because he knows that God is sovereign in salvation. That all the fathers given him will come to him. And those who come to him will believe and have eternal life. So trust God and preach the truth. He's sovereign. Fourthly, don't be in a hurry to fall away yourself. You leave Jesus, where else are you going to go? There is no one else who has the words of eternal life. And friends, that's an important thing to realize in the pluralistic world. Knowing God is not like going shopping in Giant. Yeah, don't like this brand of detergent, then now might you use another brand, because your clothes will still get washed. No, no. You may not like what Jesus says, you may find it offensive, but tough, you don't get to make up the gospel. And there is nowhere else to go. Only one person can give you eternal life. You've got to deal with him. But as God's Spirit works his life-giving power in your heart, you will learn not only to accept the things that others find offensive, but also to appreciate why they must be right. And love God who ordered the things that way for your good and his glory. And finally, don't blame the preacher if you don't like the message. <laughs> and don't blame the preacher if your friends don't like the message either. Uh, of course, if we are being unfaithful to the scriptures, you mustn't let that pass. But if we're preaching the word of God, then we are doing our job. And our job is not to tell you what you want to hear. Our job is to repeat the life-giving, spirit-inspired word of the Holy One of God. For we believe and know that he alone has the words of eternal life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's sobering to think of the many people who saw the miracles, heard the voice of Jesus, and saw your Son, and yet turned away from him, were offended by him and his words. Father, have mercy upon us, we pray, and may we not be among that number. May we be those who your spirit draws to Christ. We find our joy in him and our salvation in him. May we be those who keep on following him even though there are things that we find difficult and issues that we find hard that we need to struggle with and wrestle with. Help us to do so in an attitude of trust, knowing that you are God and you are good. And help us to 
resolve things in such a way as we learn to love you and appreciate who you are and what you have done. Heavenly Father, we pray that uh, you will help us to be truthful, so not to water down the gospel, make it more palatable for others, but to hold out the very words of life that have been given to us by the Lord Jesus, and to hold him up as the one true God who reveals God, and who dies for us, and the one we all must believe in to have eternal life. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.